Coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast. You know, we were talking about this before we recorded that there is so much to be grateful for. And if you talk to the real mystics and the sages and the shamans, they say everything's about gratitude. Hello, and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast. Every day, I come across some of the most incredibly fascinating and authentic people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz Podcast. I just want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Louis Diaz Podcast. I've got a really special guest here that I've been meaning to catch up with for a few months now, and I'm glad we're finally making this happen because I feel like we've got a lot to cover. Uh, Sean Kay, teacher, mentor, and the founder of Uplift Retreats. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be in sunny Melbourne on top of the Yarra. Yes, yes. And so for everyone at home listening, we are literally sitting on the back of a boat on the Yarra River in Melbourne. So you'll be hearing some background sounds of people rowing, people going past on boats. What else can we hear? People having a good time. (laughs) Yeah, lots of music being played right behind us. But there is a reason I brought you here. And that is because you have been in a completely different space and in a completely different world. Mm. And I wanted to feel what it's like for you to be back in the energy of mm-hmm. a chaotic, activity-filled city. Mm. Um, a global hub, if you will, of Melbourne with all of its events and sports and music and arts and culture and bars and restaurants and chaos, I'll call it. It is chaos. And yeah, part of my journey has been in cities and I've been incredibly unhappy, unwell, uh, disconnected at times. And it's led to, in the past, a series of mental illnesses that I suffered. Um, So being back here this time is uh, interesting because I've just had this experience, obviously, in the Andes Mountains where it's a very different lifestyle. And being back in Melbourne or being back in the city is just really highlighting how important it is for me to find that stillness within myself. You know, they have that saying around home is, you know, wherever you are. And for me, previously, I probably didn't have a lot of the tools to find the stillness within the chaos. And so being back here now, it's actually a really beautiful realization i guess and validation that i've got to a point where i do feel a deep sense of peace and i feel a really deep sense of trust that we're actually going to be okay and amongst this chaos there's a lot of beauty and people are really looking for i would say hope at the moment Mm. people are looking for hope so talk to me a little bit about what you do with the retreats i actually received a yeah message today from one of my very first retreat attendees and she's been on her own journey and I said we're going to be doing stuff in Peru later this year I think it would be really good for you Um, and I mentioned the word shamanic and even in her response she's like oh are you leading shamanic retreats now and I replied and I said well they've actually all been shamanic and shamanism is not a religion Shamanism is a spiritual practice where you are finding your own tools from different lineages, from different backgrounds, and you're integrating them into your life. Mm. So that's how the retreats have all been. But up until probably six months ago, I had a little bit of shame and a little bit of uh, probably just uh, 
not owning it enough that the experiences that we lead are like full shamanic experiences. So holistic, integrating, whatever I will receive or feel the, the flow for the retreat is. So we're planning one in Bali for June. The, the, the theme is going to be breakthrough. So it's all based around you having your breakthroughs, but that could come through holotropic breathwork, could come through a personal growth style workshop, looking at shadows and light and archetypes and whatever. It could come through having a conversation, uh, yoga, movement. Like it just really depends on that particular retreat. And so in 2020 and 2021, when we were all being told to stay home, locked down, not leave the house, not go to the grocery store, not travel, I ran 15 retreats and had 20 people on each retreat because people were hungry for this learning and the whole intention behind the work that I do is that you have the solution you have the answer not me not one of the other facilitators not a guru not a mentor you've got all the knowledge within you and it's about helping you find that answer or that guidance so at the moment it's called uplift retreats whether we go through a rebrand in the next month or so is highly dependent on my team. Um, I'm really feeling the call to change things up, but at the same time, you know, uplift, the meaning of the word is to actually move from a state of disharmony to harmony. So it's a change in mental, spiritual, or emotional well-being. If you look it up on Oxford Dictionary, that's literally the reason. Mm. So the, the retreats are about taking you from where you are to where you want to be. And I hope that encapsulates the essence of of what it is Mm. yeah i find that concept quite fascinating of going from disharmony to a state of harmony is it a transient experience though because the way i sort of see and maybe it's because i reflect on my own journey a lot and because i like there's so much imperfection in the way Mm. that i've been sort of going about life but i see that the harmony and the disharmony it's kind of like you need one for the other one to exist exactly almost like you need the dark for the light and so do we ever sort of go from that place of disharmony to harmony and that's it? Is it is, are they two static points and you sort of get in your vehicle, your little um, <laughs> spiritual vehicle or your, your, your self life vehicle? Yeah, yeah, and you go from disharmony to harmony and you park it there and that's it. It's over. Like, we're done. Thank you. Absolutely not. And that, yeah, I've come back to that quote of healing is not linear. And I honestly believe you could spend your whole life healing. You could spend your whole life working on yourself and some people actually get stuck in the healing. I certainly was for two years where I was constantly looking at what was wrong, what wasn't working, why I had that behavior pattern, why I had that inner child thing come up and do I have any regrets? No, but in retrospect, I really wish I hadn't have spent so much time focusing on what was wrong with me and just enjoyed my life and and really focused on what was working and and the you know we were talking about this um before we recorded that there is so much to be grateful for and if you talk to the real mystics and the sages and the shamans they say everything's about gratitude so if you're having a shit day you're grateful if you're having an awesome day you're grateful because ultimately if you can be grateful for the lessons of the the terrible day you're eventually going to lead to a beautiful day so what you talked about with the two points of like harmony and disharmony, there's no end point, 
But if you can develop the awareness to know when you're in disharmony, that there is a creative solution to find harmony. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so no, the answer is no. <laughs> I'll just give you a, a little insight. So part of what they teach in the Andes, so in the shamanic you know, teachings and in the, with the indigenous is we have this chakra system that most people are familiar with. We have these energy centers in the body. In India, it's you know, anywhere from 7 to 12. In the Andean Cosmovision or in um, Peru, it's, there's four main chakras. But they say when we die, like when we transition into the next lifetime, all the information from the lower chakras is downloaded into what they say is the soul chakra or the eighth chakra. And then depending on you know, what's happened, what stories you've cleared, what you've healed, what you haven't healed, your next reincarnation is decided. So doing all this work on ourselves now to be the best version that we can, to be the you know, best human that we can, is ultimately giving us a good transition to the next lifetime. Um, so I believe massively in, in you know, reincarnation. Who knows what that looks like? Um, but that's their teaching, is this work we're doing now, you know, if you choose to live your whole life being a, a victim and, and maybe being unhealthy and abusing your body, then you're probably going to get another another round similar to that until you learn the lesson. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I'm with you. I think that, you know, whether it's science that mm-hmm. you sort of listen to or whether it's the esoteric stuff that you listen to, it all points to us living on a planet that's energy and a galaxy that's energy. I've found myself a lot reminding people in these last few days that, hey, remember that you're spinning around a giant ball of fire in space Mm -hmm. and everything's going to be okay. And yeah, I think sometimes it's about getting out of our little bubbles and and sort of seeing a a larger perspective Mm. on life and realizing that we're only here for a little speckle of it. But yeah, I think that reincarnation journey is something that I love. Mm. I love the idea that we can come back and try again. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I hate the idea that you can just fail and there's a full stop on the end of that. Yeah. It's a semicolon, not a full stop. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is, like, was this part of your upbringing? Like, have you always had people that have wanted you in your life to be connected, to feel connected, that have encouraged you to connect with yourself? Or was this something that, that you found later on in life after sort of that journey of growing up? Mm. Great question. Um, I grew up in a small country town in Western Australia, like, I don't know, population 1,000. And... What's it called? Bindoon. Um, I played football for the Jinjin Eagles, which is tattooed on my leg. <laughs> um, so footy was my life, riding bikes, building BMX tracks, being out in nature. And, you know, when I think to my childhood... Um, I had a teacher or a mentor say to me once, like, what did you used to love to do the most when you were a kid? Because that's what you should find and do as an adult. Mm. Um, And so for me, I bring that back to nature. Um, I had a pretty profound experience at a place called Karajini in Western Australia, middle of the desert, very sacred Aboriginal place, where I had taken a considerable amount of psychedelic mushrooms. And... um, had this uh, beautiful message that my role here was to connect people back to nature in whatever way that was, whether breath work, retreats, da-da-da-da-da. But as a child, having an upbringing where my parents certainly didn't have the tools to understand 
uh, potentially even, you know, how to raise a boy in a, you know, conducive and, and healthy way. Mm. But also they just encouraged me in terms of sport. Everything was sport, you know. Mm. Dad coached every sporting team I played in. The teams he didn't coach, he would generally intervene and try and, you know, be involved and right. and control, you know, what I was doing and how I was doing it. And, yeah, growing up as a boy, it was it was all comparative based on sport. Mm. Um, Which so is common here in Australia. Oh, I, the men's work that I do, I speak about um, the four Bs, uh, balls, so sport, bills, money, babes, women, and booze, alcohol and drugs, are the four things that a man is determining his level of manhood based on those four things. Because mm. that's what we're brought up with. Are you in the A team or the B team? If you're in the B team, you're a fucking weak failure, you know? If you're in the A team, you're one of the boys, you know? You're, a, you're one of the solid few. And so growing up in small country town, I was doing everything in my power to be seen, was the thing i was risk taker i was the life of the party i was getting naked running around doing stupid shit because i wanted people to see me and i wanted people to like validate me because that was not really something i experienced as a child so then it was more you know my story was really 27 having a mental breakdown and and falling in the arms of my parents at 27 and being like I'm not okay I don't know what's wrong with me and it was all about oh you're just gonna have to take antidepressants that's just the way it is everyone's doing it you know your whole family's doing it your uncles are doing it your cousins have to do it Mm. it runs in the family Sean you're just gonna have to take the medication and for me I, I did initially but my soul was always like, there's another way. There's, there's, something, there's something not right with taking this white pill every day for the rest of my life. And through a series of events, you know, I got myself off the medication, discovered breath work. But that mental breakdown was really the catalyst for taking a look at who I was as a boy, as a man, or still a boy at 27. It's really only been the last two years that I've been through a lot of different work around what sort of man I want to be um, and what role model I want to be for other men. So as a child, and I don't blame my parents for anything. I love them to bits. They're still together. They've had a beautiful marriage, um, albeit often dysfunctional, but both amazing parents. The childhood was really because of our culture here, as we said. Mm. And as a male, you're not encouraged to connect to yourself. You're not encouraged to connect to nature. You're not encouraged to connect to other men. And so, therefore, you're disconnected. Mm. And when you're disconnected, you feel lost. And when you feel lost, you look to the babes, the bills, the booze, the balls, so that you don't feel lost. You got them? Babes, yeah. booze, bills, and balls. Babes, booze, bills. Yeah. Sorry, for everyone back home, when Sean was just reading out the list of bees, <laughs> I had my fingers up in the air counting them. Because um, I love that, that you've encapsulated what it is to be growing up as a boy to a young man in Australia in those four Bs. That's what it is. That's what people are looking for from you, uh, to see you as, like, you know, like you said, one of the A players. The jocks, you know, we call them. At my, where, where I grew up, you're a jock. Yeah. You're one of, the, one of the sports guys. Yeah, yeah. And that was how you got the girls, because you were good at sport. Yeah. You know, and if you weren't, for me... I feel like the, one of the biggest crushing moments was when I was about 15, 16, and I had a coach that told me, like, you will never play in the A team again. And that, for me, was like, 
childhood trauma relived of like you're not loved yeah <laughs> that's, what, that's mm. what it was God, yeah. yeah people can not really understand what it's like sometimes or the power rather mm. that their words have yeah on other people and i actually wrote that coach a letter about 12 months ago and emailed it to him Just really okay, told him. wow did you get a response no I said in in the first line, I don't require a response, but I just need you to know I have no grudges. I have complete forgiveness. But that moment that that you and such and such did that to me Uh was one of the hardest things that I've ever been through. And it stuck with me for years that now I have acceptance and and forgiveness and I'm letting this go. Right. Yeah. And on on the other side of that letter is someone that's, you know, well, they're either going to take it or leave it. Yeah. But if they take it, it's that realization that, oh boy, yeah, I didn't realize how powerful my words were. Yeah. Well, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I've been saying that a lot lately. Yeah. Actually. So I guess it was 27 mm-hmm. when you sort of realized that something wasn't right. Yep. The, you weren't keen on taking the antidepressants. Yep. It didn't feel like the right thing to do. And so what happened between then and running retreats? So that was 2017, 20, March 2017. So my birthday is the 9th of March, so a couple of weeks. I will expect everybody listening to send me a birthday message. Um, Chris, can you write that down? <laughs> yeah, so March, March the 10th, 2017, the day after my 27th birthday, my partner at the time packed all my things, put them outside, changed the alarm codes, sent me a text and said, I can't do this anymore with no reason. And that just sent me into that spiral that led into the deep, dark depression, dark night of the soul, a lot of grief, you know, a lot of anxiety, worry. So I was taking the medication up until about October, November that year when I met a, I met a fellow over in Bali. Um, he was from America. He was a doctor himself, but he was actually on a tour where he was sharing his mindfulness program with professionals and doctors and corporate high stress environments teaching them how to basically avoid burnout and stress using breath work and meditation and these things so i met him daniel friedland was his name Um, we had a coffee a mutual friend connected us and at that coffee i was sharing how you know i'm passionate about leadership passionate about helping people i really want to start to share my journey um, and that was the guy that also said, yep, throw the medita- medication in the bin, stick to the breath work and the meditation and the yoga. And, you know, you will have your rocky days, but you'll, you'll eventually mm. like, you know, level out. And so that was the end of 2017. I, th- I, I changed that, got off the medication, started really focusing on my health, not drinking alcohol, you know, being very clean and clear. And then end of 2018, Again, I had another experience where I would say the universe intervened and I'd been holding on. I used to be a school teacher. I'd been in this school teaching job for about seven years and I really didn't want to be there. I wanted to be running my own business and doing retreats. Yeah. I loved the kids. I loved the you know work I was doing. They were all teenagers. It was very like... Uh, daddy daycare in a way i was helping all them out you know with sure. life stuff yeah and then my boss at the time unfairly dismissed me i could have taken him to court i should have but didn't and i had all my income taken so i was basically you know living off my cushy teacher income starting my business there wasn't a lot of stress wasn't a lot of pressure and then all of a sudden the rug was just pulled from under me and i no longer had an income 
I was effectively earning zero dollars, had a heap of debt, had a car loan, had a credit card and didn't know what to do. So I really, in 2019, floated the idea of going back onto the medication because my life was just a mess. And long story short, met a guy in an airport, overheard his conversation and then interjected and was like, who are you guys? He invited me to an event. That event was where I tried holotropic breathwork for the first time, which is what I'm now, you know, teaching. Tried plant medicine for the first time. Um, There's a medicine called rape, which is a tobacco. It's uh, mildly psychedelic, but it's really powerful for just cleaning and clearing your pineal gland and giving you a bit of clarity. And so all in one day, I just went gangbusters on the holistic path. And that effectively in March 20, or sorry, May 2019, changed the trajectory. I went from almost going back onto medication and seeing psychologists to taking my power back and being able to really navigate it on my own um and so that was only when i think about it it's funny because that was only four years ago really and it was the middle of 2019 that i launched the retreat business i ran four retreats in bali before covid happened i was running them pretty much solo having groups of 20 30 people come five seven days taking them through the program uh, it was, yeah, incredible. And then COVID happened and I couldn't do anything initially because all my stuff was in Bali, mm. all my vision was in Bali, everything I was doing. But then COVID really made me uh, intervene and look at WA and I hadn't really thought of doing it in WA. But that was where, <laughs> you know, the draconian COVID laws came in and nobody could leave the state. Mm. So it worked out well because everyone was then looking to work on themselves and they were coming to Margaret River every couple of months, 20 people doing the retreat, roll it into the next one, mm-hmm. built a pretty solid community there. And then, yeah, we're, we're at this point now where I've had a three to four month break to focus on myself again. Mm-hmm. And we're about to ramp up into, you know, three to four retreats the back end of this year. Mm-hmm. So that that's effectively the retreat journey. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it's like a drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so, I mean, w- one of the things that some of the one of the questions that some people in the audience might have is, does one need to sort of seek some kind of qualification to hold these events and start doing these teachings? Uh, and coming from like myself, for example, who I taught myself how to skateboard at the age of twenty nine, and then a couple of years later, I was doing free skateboarding lessons on the beach, and they were really popular, and I was getting reviews. So I know that generally in life, if you want to do something, you just can. Mm. Like ask for forgiveness, not for permission, is a is a great quote that one of my old colleagues that used is to say. The theme of my life at the moment, which is great. So you don't have to necessarily have some qualification. What was the catalyst? At what point did you go? I've learned enough to now teach. For me, it's just having the knowing. Yeah, it's this notion of if you start something out of fear, every part of that project is going to be a disaster or something is just going to happen and it's not going to flow as smoothly as possible. And so your question I'd love to ask to a lot of people because you're 100% right. Anyone could go out and start a retreat tomorrow one of my biggest gripes, is that a word? A, anyway, a word? we'll go with we'll that. One of my biggest like fears for people 
is that there are a lot of people out there running very deep experiences that aren't ready to be holding those spaces. For example, serving, you know, plant medicines, which are life-altering medicines. And just because you can order them on the internet and you've maybe had a vision and a, a dream of like you being able to serve it doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to facilitate that space. And so I have a quote that I really try to live by and I hope I always have enough integrity in the work that I do, the integrity being the key word of this, this topic, is just because you think you should do something doesn't mean you should. Or just because you think you can do it doesn't mean you should do it so it's really knowing like and and some people have that knowing Mm. and you know some of the the people that you've had on this podcast that you know we both know mutually you just know you talk to them and you know that they have got you know what it takes to guide you safely Mm. so using your discernment when working with somebody for me i just have been in peru that we talked about um, really working with the Wachuma, the San Pedro cactus, which is a beautiful, beautiful heart medicine and a medicine that I do deeply believe and feel I will eventually serve. But I'm not going out and serving it next weekend. I've asked my teacher over there, oh, I haven't actually asked, I've said I would like to explore working mm. with Wachuma. Mm. And his response was, well, the next time you're here... We need to do a ceremony and we need to ask Wachuma if Wachuma wants to work with you. But there's so many people out there, especially in the plant medicine world, that are just serving these medicines and they don't have the integrity. They Mm. might have the knowledge, they've read it in a book, but they don't know how to hold a space. They don't know how to make you feel safe. They don't know how to help you integrate if something huge comes up a traumatic experience from this lifetime or a past life. So can you go and facilitate your own retreats? Yes, absolutely, you can. But please do it safely and do it with integrity for your participants. Yeah, no, that's a really great message. And and thank you for that response around the retreats because it's probably something that really bamboozles a few people. Like, well, you know, we'll put it this way, bro. There's now businesses, there's now retreat businesses teaching people how to start retreat businesses. Right. So it's all a dollar signs thing. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's groups out there that have been running retreats for a number of years now and now they're running programs teaching everyday Joes. If you want to live this lifestyle, start your own retreat business and we'll teach you how to do it. Yeah. Like it's just rampant and it's, and it's hard for me, man, and it's, and it's hard because I'm constantly having to check in with myself and sometimes, maybe not so much anymore, but I used to really get stuck in, well, a bit of imposter syndrome of like, am I actually holding these spaces safely? Am I actually educated enough? Do I actually have all the tools? And because it is so heavily unregulated, which is a good thing in a way, um, breathwork's a great example. You've got some people facilitating breathwork, 100 people, maybe more in the session and one or two facilitators, which is just, for my you know, opinion, is, is so out of integrity. Like, you've got 100 people going into trauma. How do you possibly keep them all safe? Mm. So 
it's an industry that's heavily unregulated. It's super competitive. And, you know, your question around facilitating retreats, you could go and do it tomorrow. You could run a skateboarding retreat tomorrow. Mm. And it would probably be fantastic because you actually know how to skateboard. Let's team it up. Let's do it. <laughs> Breathwork and skateboarding. Well, yeah, it's funny actually because I feel like part of my life has been heading towards something different. It mm -hmm. started with skateboarding. One yeah. of the things that I realized during the skateboarding lessons was actually that I started to notice when people were in fear mm -hmm. and I could see someone and I could go, breathe. And, yeah. my and I'd go, and then suddenly they'd just keep skating and stop that that fear it's so fascinating well, integrating the breath with any sport is huge and and yeah and i can completely relate to what you say about the integrity piece right because well i could open up my my skate lessons and go well i'll teach 10 of you all in one go mm. but i know that i can't keep my eyes on 10 people yeah and the beautiful thing about my lessons for example um just to just to throw in an example in there of how a different experience can relate to what you're saying is that the lessons were so successful because I had my eyes on one person as mm. the teacher. I was yep. watching them like a hawk the whole time, mm -hmm. which is why I knew when they were about to be in danger and why I knew when they needed to breathe. And so, yeah, I find a lot of... Um, I can relate a lot to what you say to the, the responsibility of a teacher, mm -hmm. but the integrity with, with which you need to hold a space. Yep. And can you actually facilitate... For this person with your entire state of presence yeah or are you just trying to make it an extra buck right now by adding a few extra people to the, to the room nail on the head so yeah it's kind of interesting that you say like and thanks for letting me add the skateboarding part in there but i, I felt it. like it was important for context it was. um cool so i guess recently we uh, we met like i s mentioned earlier because you had seen like you had heard hamima's episode i had you'd approached me and asked if you could jump on the podcast sometime and then we had to wait we had to wait like three whole months it feels like a lot like that time has flown by the way for sure um time is sped up so fast right now mm, mm, and so and we obviously met through social media which means that i was sort of watching your journey and what you've been up to can you sort of give us like the synopsis um <laughs> or a little bit of like a a short chapter on the last three months because I feel like it's you've been from pillar to post almost yeah intentionally so in terms of being from pillar to post in June last year was when I was first attacked by COVID <laughs> um, right. and it really was just a big nervous system upgrade we'll call it but yeah I was really uh, struggling with uh, a lot of abandonment stuff coming up again that I'd worked through previously. So this was June. Uh, everything came up. I'm actually grateful now that it, ha that it did. But that week was really a turning point for my previous relationship with uh, one of my best friends. She's, you know, somebody that I still deeply care about. But, uh, yeah, we went through a separation not long after that. And that, again, was a catalyst for... What I deem as this last sort of six months being a huge initiation, um, a huge process where I had to go into the deepest, darkest places that I thought I'd, I'd, uh, I thought I'd done enough work. Put it that way. <laughs> we'll talk about it 
um, in that sense where I thought I'd worked through enough. I'd been running these retreats for other people. Last This time last year, February 2022, I felt on top of the effing world mm-hmm. where I just felt like a big, strong lion energy, running retreats, really fit, really healthy, just in my power. And um, then COVID happened, then the breakup happened, and that just sent me back into another, you know, dark night sort of period. But I had this deep knowing that whole time that it was there was something going on on a much larger scale. Like, it was all happening for a reason, as shit as it was, as hard as it was. Like, I really scared my parents um, in that process. I really, you know, scared myself. I took myself through one ceremony at home and and I was really, really afraid that I had completely lost the plot, that I was stuck in a loop and I was not coming out of that loop of just being alone, being isolated, having no support. Um, It was the loneliest time of my life. I was bunkered down in this little um, cabin down in Margaret River and I was just really stuck in this deep grief. And in that process, I really also received this calling to go on this pilgrimage, we'll call it. I'd received an opportunity to facilitate breathwork at a festival in New Zealand over New Year's. And then I'd also received another opportunity to go to Utah in February and do this training with the Sacred Sons, which is a men's work, um, you know, leadership program, I would say the the pinnacle of like men's work on the planet at the moment and so I had space in between and I'd always you know had a very big calling and, and connection to Peru and the whole Peru experience which was really the month of January it was just so synchronous and I didn't have a lot planned things just came to me um, so in short the period you asked about uh, I was in New Zealand the back end of December, I was in Peru all of January. Then I travelled up to Salt Lake City, um, which is where I've just been the last few weeks. Completed the training with the Sacred Sons, and then I'm stepping back into life, you know, here in Melbourne, and then back to Bali. But what it was for me, it was really a reclamation and a remembrance of what the sacred masculine is, and what being a man right now in these times is all about and and what our role here is what my role here is and I think it's just so important to to recognize that the masculine is so needed right now to step up and to really embody leadership because look at our like we're talking about chaos look around like who's actually leading who's actually stepping up and saying come with me let's go this way because this is how we're going to get ourselves out of this nightmare that we've got ourselves into. Like, I don't see anyone right now. (laughs) We're Mm. looking around. But, yeah, that's what this journey's been. The medicine in Peru was really healing myself, really healing Mm. those, you know, parts that I'd neglected. And then the the Sacred Sons was the the reminder, the reclamation of like, well, no, this is actually who I am and what I'm here to do Mm. without all the baggage. Mm. Yeah, and sort of focusing a little bit more on that stuff that you did with the Sacred Sons, just tell the audience a little bit more about like what what that is. Mm. What kind of activities would you lo- would you encounter there? 
you know, what kind of environment is it? Is it completely isolated? So with the Sacred Sons, uh, they pride themselves on confrontation as a part of it. So linking back to if, if people have been listening along this whole time, you know, we talked about the four Bs, we talked about men in Australia and, 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 these, and America, you know, Western culture, we don't have this clear rite of passage. We don't have a process of like, this is what it means to be a man, you know, in the healthy sense of the word. Toxic masculinity gets thrown around a lot, but it's, it's not toxic masculinity. It's just unhealed little boys that are now effectively adults. And so what the Sacred Sons does and what they do in a very safe and beautiful way is confrontation, which is for a man to really change, he needs to be met and, and guided by other men. So indigenous cultures would always go through a rite of passage, some of them barbaric, some of them brutal, you know, cutting off the foreskin, whatever it is. But that is a symbol of you are now moving into a period of your life where you're independent. And so the Sacred Sons is really you being confronted by other men so that you're forced to find within yourself everything you need to exist in this world, independent of woman, independent of money, independent of alcohol, drugs. You're finding the strength within yourself and one of the examples, I'm not going to give too much away because they do keep it quite sacred and intimate. And we went into that retreat not knowing a whole lot about what we were going to get up to. Right. And so part of it was being in a combat situation with another man and he could be twice your size and you were in a space where you were being met physically by that man and for a period of time you guys were going toe-to-toe in a combat situation. You're not trying to really injure each other, but you're also not holding back. And that whole process for me was beautiful and healing in itself because I was met by a... So, you know, for the listeners, I'm six foot one if I'm on my tiptoes and I'm probably about 80 kilos ringing wet. This guy was my roommate. He was my accountability buddy. He was about 20 years my senior he probably weighed 30 to 40 kilos more. His reach, his arm span was far greater. And I was in a, an effectively a boxing situation with this man for two minutes trying to survive. And at the end, I burst into tears. I burst into just huge waves of grief, letting go of all the opportunities as a young boy where I didn't have that loving presence that was ultimately trying to teach me a lesson but was doing it in a way that was with so much love. So even though he's trying to punch me and land punches on me, I'm being met with a level of uh, resistance that I needed to make me feel uncomfortable. And so what they do, the Sacred Sons, is it's really about, as a man, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So learning to sit in the discomfort. So, you know, here at the moment, a lot of my clients, a lot of the men I work with, turn to drugs, gambling, sex, porn, whatever it is, because they can't sit with themselves. They can't sit and do nothing, and then all of a sudden they start to feel the discomfort of like, oh, I've got a bit of anxiety, or, you know, I don't, you know, feel confident, or whatever it is. So then they turn to something 
outside to try and make themselves feel good. So the confrontation is really teaching men to be met in that state of vulnerability and be okay with it. Or not be able to turn to those other things. Yeah, or finding, you know, finding the power within yourself to not turn to those poor habits that we know don't serve us. Oh, man, yeah. It's just when you were talking about the rite of passage, mm. you know, the, the coming of age, I was kind of reflecting on what is that here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, It's that's going right. to schoolies. Well, yeah, here in Australia, it's when you turn 18, you get your driver's license and, and you can drink. And you get a credit card. Yeah, well, yeah, you can get a credit card. Not everyone does, but yeah, maybe it's more popular these so days. So how good is that? How good is that? You go to turn 18 or you finish high school in Australia and we give you the keys to the car, keys to the bank, the keys to women, the keys to alcohol, and it's a fucking disaster. Yeah, yeah, it is. So women... Words for lack of the, the better, you know, term or education, get their, their bleed or they menstruate when they're early teens yeah. and they go through a process of like, you're now becoming a woman. Even though it's a bit distorted and dysfunctional here in Australia, they still have a process that symbolizes you're now becoming a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas here, we don't have that as men. And the, the probably the most debilitating thing is we learn a lot of this through porn so a lot of men learn or or become attuned to the feminine through porn so you're literally a traumatized boy watching a traumatized woman be traumatized by a man and your nervous system is your nervous system's going i don't know what this is this is fucking weird but you're getting excited so it's so confusing and so the rite of passage is so important because we have to go through that and we have to learn what it's like to just be on our own and be able to find the strength, be able to find, you know, we don't need these vices to actually exist. So would you say one of the biggest challenges for, for men in Western culture is to that they don't have that, like a healthy rite of passage? There's no blueprint. There's no roadmap. Yeah. Or, or the roadmap is really it's really wrong. It's yeah. distorted. It's the it's the license. It's the drinking. Forty club. Yeah. It's the women, right? Being a, a legal consensual age, um, and what was the other one? It was the credit card. Credit card. Yeah, yeah. Which well, is that's a you know it is a it is a it's going to make a nasty cake that for recipe. sure, for sure. You go to university. Most people in Australia. So you as an eighteen year old, you know. Uh, it doesn't have to be boy, but 18-year-old male or female, you leave school, you get your $50,000 hex debt to go to university, so uni debt, you get a credit card, mm. you get a car loan, all of a sudden you're graduating at 26, 27 with $100,000 of debt, and then you're wondering why a lot of the men have mental health problems, because they can't keep up with the demands that they've put themselves under mm. and you mix in the alcohol and the drugs and all of that, watching the porn, gambling. And it's just, fuck, there's no, there's no like other way. There's no roadmap to say, you know, come to these spaces, come to these weekends where you are in nature, where you're fishing, where you're doing adventure, you know, where you're having conversations with men that doesn't involve any of the four Bs. And you're actually learning about mm. how to interact with women in a healthy safe sustainable way because mm. this is another big one i think a lot of the women that i i know or i'm friends with or i'm close to 
a lot of them have just almost given up hope that the men in their life are actually going to start to treat them in a nice, you know, way. A lot of women that I'm friends with do do a lot of work in this space and there's very few men that are meeting them where they are. You know, they're meeting them in the vulnerability, in the intimacy, in the listening. Mm-hmm. You know, teaching a young man how to listen, is <laughs> it would have helped me a lot. But it's just having the biggest thing, um, Louis, is having other men and this is where the indigenous cultures are still, you know, coming in, having other men that are embodying these qualities, mm. teaching it to younger men. Yeah, yeah. or have been through that rite of passage. Because who do we idolise here in Australia? Who do we idolise in America? Yeah. Sports. Sports. Celebrities. It's, yeah, celebs. Gamers now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole there. So, Well, how deep do you want to go? Yeah, but... Look, it's all it's really great points. You said something earlier, or you've said a few things actually about. I've said just a couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, and we're going to keep going. You got time? Yeah, I've got time. Until the sun goes down, which is still ages away. But um, you, you've said a couple of things earlier about your own personal story, and I was thinking to myself, oh God, like why is it that we have to? hit these rock bottoms before we do something about our situation or we bounce up like to sort of give There's only you one way to go when you hit rock bottom yeah it's it's up but how do we sort of like is there hope for us and maybe it is through a rite of passage type thing but is there hope for us to not have to continue to hit these rock bottoms before we can elevate ourselves absolutely it's through community so it's through, I use the word healthy, but, you know, what does that mean? But conscious community, healthy community, it's through community where we're all in this together. And, for example, men, finding a men's circle, finding a men's group, finding even, you know, I was having a phone call with, with one of our brothers back in Perth who's, who's running movement-based sessions at the beach on a, you know, Saturday morning every two weeks. But it's, you go there, you do the workout, you meet other guys and then everyone sits at the end and and has a conversation you know if anyone needs to chat now's the time you can you know speak to the group so that's that's really these cultures around the world like the you know indigenous this is what they've done forever the men go and do the men's stuff the women go the women do the women's stuff and then they coexist together but Solving our problems, bringing up our, you know, um, vulnerabilities would always happen with our, you know, group. So the men would talk to the men, the women would talk to the women, and then it became all distorted and weird. We had all, you know, these other culty Freemasons and all this stuff where, you know, it became manipulative, it became controlling, it became, you know, a way to really work against the other, the other group. It particularly come from the patriarchy, you know, which again, deep rabbit hole. But um, we need community. We need to build community. Mm. And we need to do that in a way that is not involving those things we talked about. So the community doesn't revolve around drinking and partying. It revolves around doing breath work and ice baths and having a coffee or whatever it is. Mm. Key thing in community is unity. So we have to all come together. It's a big conversation, but a part of the work that, you know, Hamima's doing, I believe, what I'm involved in, what, you know, we're all feeling on a soul level is the rainbow prophecy, they call it, in the shamanic traditions, which is 
there's a group of beings now here on the planet there's a group of humans that are from different cultures races genders nationalities none of that shit matters but they're a unified group that are all working towards a common goal which is to bring humanity back to this remembrance of what it's like to live in harmony with mother nature in harmony with each other Mm. and with harmony within ourselves Mm. and it has to start with community yeah wow i love that and you're building that with your podcast man so i just want to honor you because even though it's coming from you know different people from all over the world you're like a bridge of connecting you know people i mean this this started out as an experiment or or just something that i felt called to do and it's funny because people are like, oh, what's your, who's your audience? You know, what's the purpose? Because you know, in the world of content creation these days, which, you know, I guess you could pigeonhole this into, a lot of people start out with a specific audience in mind. And I was like, I don't know what it is. And the beautiful thing about this podcast, for example, is I don't know what it is I'm getting at here. But as I'm sort of recording and releasing more episodes the one of the most beautiful discoveries i've had only in the last few weeks was that actually all of these radically different people people that have no connection to each other from all these different walks of life essentially with all these different lived experiences and perspectives they actually share a lot of common ground Mm. and it's in understanding and realizing the common ground Mm -hmm. that we can now start to sort of heal and grow and learn or accept each other. Did you and take that from my website, by the way? <laughs> I did not. Learn, heal, love, grow. That's our uh, mantra. Maybe I read my your website while I was sleepwalking the other night. Maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I guess that's, that's kind of what's why we've been brought together, right? Maybe exactly. we're on, in an intersection of two different paths where yours is, is sort of... That, that teaching and mine is the, the telling of the stories. Um, I don't know. Well, my thing is I want to talk all day and share and because and I know one of my gifts is speaking, but doing all the techie stuff and, and setting up recording gear and chopping up, you know, stuff and doing marketing, I don't enjoy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's why I just, you know, love to jump on other podcasts and, and share, but I don't at this point in time really want to have my own podcast. Yeah. Maybe in the future, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to sort of like touch on that point again about mm-hmm. the common ground that we sort of discover eventually. Yeah, I think this comes back to Hamima as well. You know, we mm. mentioned it before. We didn't quite get to get to that, but it's so right now. And, and the reason I started connecting with Hamima is they talk about the Christ consciousness. Um, and the Christ consciousness is so much more than just a you know religious figure of of Jesus Christ, but it's a a beautiful collective group of beings that are here, very heart-centered, very focused on living from the heart and not from the ego. Um, and that comes with its own burdens and, and blessings in itself. But I believe that's that's who we are. We're all a part of this mm. prophecy. If you want to go higher and wider, you talk about we come. maybe we come from the Palladians, maybe we're, you know, star beings that have all been sent here to, to work together, to band together and to help uplift the human collective um darpan who i would say would be a great guest to have on here if you can get hold of him and get him to a location to record a podcast um darpan is a ayahuasca medicine man based in new south wales Mm -hmm. but um he talks about and he's been talking about it for decades um we're going to reach a turning point or aka an inflection point 
where there is going to be enough people who are aware of this, let's say, Christ consciousness, heart-based living. It's about harmony. It's about unity. It's not about competition or separation or ego or greed. It's about living in harmony, living in harmony with Mother Nature, living in harmony with ourselves and living within, within harmony inside us. Mm. And eventually, everybody else is going to come on board, mm. whether consciously or unconsciously. It's like the 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 script's gonna flip, mm. and I I don't like saying this, but I really feel like a lot of the cities are gonna go through a significant amount of change. We'll say it's mm. what I see happening in New Zealand with the floods, uh, the big fires we've been having. Uh, part of what I was seeing in a lot of the the medicine ceremonies was massive flooding like oh. look we're sitting on the Yarra it's what three meters four meters below the level of the city um, I saw it happen in Cusco briefly where all the water was just coming up through the drains and it was just starting to flood and water is the the crystalline energy that that is the healing energy um, the Native American Indians say if you heal the world's water you heal the world's people mm. Um, but I believe it's only a matter of time until there's going to be a huge event, a lot of water, and hopefully you're high enough above sea level or awake enough to to get yourself to somewhere high above sea level. Mm. Um, and that might be the turning point. But yeah, we're, going, we're all here. I think the people that you're having on this podcast, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're an accountant or a retreat leader or a skateboard coach you've still got this this vibration, this frequency within you to be a part of this solution, mm. which is bringing people together into community and together we will win. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny because when I spoke to Roberta, who's a classical guitarist the other, mm-hmm. the other day, I, I was um, asking her, you know, if she visualizes, you know, a piece or what she wants to play. And she said, no, no, it's feeling it. Yes. I feel it. And this, this is what I, this is what I call like the common ground that mm-hmm. I'm starting to realize that my guests on the podcast have got, mm-hmm. they've got this understanding, but it's more than the things that you can see and taste and touch with, oh, with your we, senses. We can't see. It's like, Yeah. That's why anyone that's Am I still reading from your website? Is that what's happening here? Oh, no. This is the next chapter. Mm. Anyone that, uh, you know, feels called to, as an invitation to come and experience, you know, what's happening on a grander scale, the, the Cosmo Vision, as they talk about it in Peru. Um, you know, we're going to take a group in September to work with the Quiero shamans. And the Quieros were and many of them still are, they were very high up in the mountains and that's where they've been for the last, you know, few decades since the conquistadors, the Spanish, um, invaded Peru. Um, and they're the rainbow, they're the rainbow people. They, they wear rainbow color. They're very connected to the cosmos. And I asked one of them about this, you know, great flight apocalyptic event. And he said, it's only a matter of time. But the reason that I'm sharing about the Quieros is, they understand that your body, your skin color, your, you know, nationality is irrelevant. You are all part of the one human race. And it's, it's starting to get exciting as well because 
these groups are starting to come together. They're starting to connect, like Native American Indians are connecting with Indigenous Amazonians and they're connecting with Australian Aborigines. And there's, a tr- there's an Indigenous tribe in every continent. Mm. And every one of those Indigenous is a wisdom keeper. They're a gateway to the knowledge that we need to sustain Mother Earth, mm. Pachamama. So interacting with these Indigenous people and receiving the information, receiving the codes that they hold, you then go back to, like now, I'm in the Yarra, I'm here, and I can feel and sense that my energy is having an impact on other people just by having conversations, just by walking into spaces. Um, you actually don't have to be shouting from a megaphone saying, wake up, you people, wake up, you sheep. You just can be in these spaces and start to share your gifts and it's having a ripple effect. I love this notion of the ripple effect. Mm. We're just a drop in the ocean and, you know, every little deed, every little bit of gratitude. My mesa, which is right here, this is what the Peruvians work with, which mm. is, you know, your altar, your, your, your own tools. And we're bringing all of this wisdom and knowledge to the places that need it. And I think the cities. You know, you look around, Darpan would be a good person to speak to if you get in contact with him. But they, they, whoever they is, they want us living in smart cities. Smart cities are cities where we're under surveillance. Mm. Everything's measured, S, smart cities. Mm. Um, so we're under surveillance, everything's measured, everything's um, accounted for. Uh, there's, there's an acronym for it, um, something to do with R, I don't know what it is. And we're just stuck in the system. And so what I feel like us light workers, us light beings are here to do is not to, you know, like I said, shout from the megaphone, get out of the city, get out of the rat race, do all the things. But it's like, come back to your heart. Come back to the inner knowing of what it is that you want for the planet. Not for your life. It's not about what do you want for your life. It's about what do you want for the planet. What planet do we want to leave for our children? What planet do we want to leave for their children? And this is what the indigenous peoples are starting to spread. And they're starting to travel, which is cool. Mm. You know, the Kieros are open to coming to Australia and doing a bit of a tour and running and sharing their wisdom and sharing their ceremony and sharing their knowledge, which they've never done before but they know now how important it is pachamama is so fragile right now and this is what i've experienced in peru just now was like she could just shake her tail feather and say see you later people yeah (laughs) and that's what i really can reflect on covid and i think the grander view was like we all just had two years of rest and most of the earth had two years of rest she had two years to just breathe and not have foot traffic everywhere and not have people moving around. So at the moment in Peru, Machu Picchu is closed. The Temple of Light, the City of Light, the, one of the most important parts of the planet, is currently closed. People can't go there. And it's I believe they're doing ceremony, they're doing ritual, they're looking after it, they're starting to really connect what's happening up above into the earth. So I could be, I could be absolutely talking stories here but my understanding is there's a crystal bed under Uluru Mm. there's a very special activation point under Uluru that the indigenous know how to work with and then the coinciding 
point is under Machu Picchu that only indigenous know how to work with. So when they can activate these two points, masculine and feminine, the whole planet activates. Mm. Confirmation. Fascinating concept. And yeah, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> wonder if the listeners could hear that. The captain, they'll definitely hear that. Um, that was confirmation. Yeah, yeah. Super interesting stuff. And, you know, for, I guess for the majority of my current small but um, beautiful audience, I guess we're starting to sort of get into territory, like esoteric territory that might be difficult for people to understand and grasp right now. But what you said might be a really great sort of gateway for those that, you know, haven't been ready until now to sort of start taking in some of these messages. So I appreciate that. Well, bringing it back to what you said as well, for the listeners, feel it. Like if you hear something, feel it. Like, listen with your heart because it may not logically, intellectually make sense to you now. And then three months, six months, it does. So if you hear something interesting from somebody, whether it's me, Louis, somebody else, and you're not so distracted and in a rush, like, sit with it and feel it. Be like, does this resonate for me? Is this guy talking about plant medicines and rainbow prophecies and palladians this stuff was all foreign to me four years ago mm. i heard it the first few times and was interested but dismissed it mm. now i'm obsessed with it mm. and when i say obsessed i don't have to go and read all the books i just feel it i know <laughs> i know what's coming is beautiful and i want to be here for it mm. yeah what's what's happening what we're creating the community that you're involved with it all sounds super interesting i haven't been able to sort of let go of that whole rite of passage part Mm. of the conversation that we we were having earlier Mm -hmm. and while we were on our way to connect here today on the beautiful yarra Mm -hmm. um i had this thought i was thinking about the journeys of growth as Mm -hmm. cat would call it our our main journeys in life and our how we grow as people Mm -hmm. and the concept was that we we grow physically and mentally and intellectually mm-hmm. up until about a certain age. Mm-hmm. 35. And then we'll, then we'll, that'll stop. Mm-hmm. At, at some point in your life, you'll stop sort of growing mm-hmm. in those ways. But one of the, what happens to you is that while you're growing, while you're sort of growing physically and mentally, in that first sort of seven years of your life, they say, is that you're also being sort of emotionally conditioned. Programmed. Yeah. Your subconscious is forming. Programmed, conditioned all of those kind of terms we can use. Yeah. And then I guess it's at some point in your life, it's your responsibility to now start to realize that and to, to understand that, to work on the deconditioning. And mm-hmm. the funny part is like that all of the other things that just happen. Yeah. You know, like you'll just start growing as soon as you're born. Yeah. Physically, you will, um, you'll start, you'll go to school and you'll start learning things mm-hmm. or you'll be being taught things by other people in your community. But, the other things that the emotional, I guess, programming or the conditioning is sub, is totally subconscious. Yeah. And it's completely up to you to initiate that journey mm. of moving through and past that. Mm-hmm. Or you can choose to ignore it. Mm-hmm. What happens to someone, you think, when they choose to ignore? So choice is a beautiful word. Um, you what? always have the power to choose. And so your question by choosing to ignore 
the opportunities for growth, you will keep reliving the same lessons mm. until you learn the lesson. And while you were asking or explaining that question, I was just thinking about uh, divine will. Like, do we actually have control or will over our life? Do we actually have a choice or is it predestined? I bring it back to the Eros, the shamans in Peru that I'm working with. Mm. They say when we're born, we have a gold book in one hand and a silver book in the other hand. And the silver book is your predetermined destiny it's your genetics it's your family history it's all the things that make you who you are mm. and they're true for you that they, they are true that doesn't mean they are real but they're true for you so they are things that your family went through for me my father went through abandonment his father went through abandonment um his mm -hmm. grandfather my great-grandfather went through abandonment like there was a story of being abandoned mm -hmm. that was in the silver book so I picked up that abandonment. Even though, you know, my childhood was relatively great and good, there were elements where I felt abandoned, even though I wasn't. That's the silver book. In the left hand is the gold book. And the gold book is up to you to write your own story. You get to choose, are you going to live this story in the silver book of, I'm going to be abandoned my whole life. I'm going to be rejected by every person that I know. Because if that is what you believe, you will receive that, okay? If you choose to be the maker of your own destiny, you get to write in the gold book. So it's having a vision for yourself. It's having a vision for the planet. It's having a vision for how you want to live your life, how you want to be here. And Louis, you know, you asked the question, but the sad thing is a lot of people don't have a vision. They don't have any scope for where they want their life to go they're just i like the analogy they're just a plastic bag blowing in the wind like society takes them this way that way but you take full power of your life back when you choose to write in the gold book to be like no medication is not my reality for the rest of my life it's a solution for now but i'm choosing consciously choosing to do everything that I need to do, breath work, meditation, yoga, whatever, to rewrite the story for my family. Mm. And when you accept that responsibility of like, you're actually given these lessons as gifts to learn the lesson and potentially transform your life, but you've got to choose to do it. Mm. So the flip side of your question is some people just are lazy. <laughs> And they'll make every excuse why they can't mm. because it's easier to stay where you are than it is to make the change. Mm. Yeah, I think also a lot of people might not know that what they need mm. is a community. Yep. Because I think, like, I'll talk about my own journey a Please. little bit. Like, I don't want to talk about it in too much depth, but just sort of having these sort of realizations that I can't continue on this path and then hitting a wall and then at some point realizing that that wall that that dead end that I hit where when you hit that dead end what do you do when you hit a dead end you turn around and go back yeah and so I turned around and went straight back to the pub mm -hmm. you know straight back to my four B's yeah sometimes all in the one night yeah and I've been there 
Yeah, we've probably all been there, right? Yeah. Um, and what I realized, I think it was, what year was it? Jeez. End of 2018, mm-hmm. I found a, a Kundalini yoga studio. Awesome. And I realized that actually, and it was, it was a new studio and they were working very hard at creating community and they did a great job. Jeez. They did such a good job, just good enough for me to go, I need to come here more. Mm-hmm. I need to be here more. Did I know that I needed community before that? No, no. I didn't. I didn't know where to get help, where that's to seek lot, for help. Yeah, that's a lot of people. I didn't know where to, you know, like people talk to you about like these traditional Western society ways with which one can get help. Um, and call, that, this, call this number and yeah. talk to an automated phone message. Yeah. Yep. The Black Dog Institute, you can call to someone, you can call someone in a call center. You can um, go to a doctor and get medication. Um, you can, you can so here in Australia, you can get six or ten free sessions with a psychologist. All of these, I'm going to say, rather unnatural ways of actually getting help. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to just be in a space with a group of people that are all sort of working towards the same thing, yeah. like have a common goal. And that's, that was kind of the point for me. And I feel like that's the gap where they don't get that actually what they need is that community. To mm-hmm. have because as a, as a man, and I think you touched on it, like, like it's a big machine, like it's a society, like we're all sort of, we can be drifting around in plastic, like plastic bags rather in the wind. As soon as you're born into this, into this world, you know, it's a machine mm-hmm. and it's churning and, you know, people are spending all of their lives in their careers and that is what you're born into. Yeah. You, it's it's not like you're choosing to get into this, but you don't know how to get out, mm. and that's that's. Well, you, I thought of something as soon as you started talking here, which was awareness is the doorway to transformation. If you're in this mm. lifestyle and you don't actually have the awareness that there is another way, mm. you're not going to do anything to to get out of it because you're just a cog in the machine. Mm. Um, and you know, I come back to that point about smart cities. Like, we're living on our smartphones constantly. Everything's at the touch of a finger. You know, I got an e-bike here. Get an Uber home. Go to the restaurant here. You know, probably check social media later. So we're not feeling human-to-human connection, and that's where the community comes in. Is we are feeling, and we're actually sensing other beings around us and you do that in a nice safe space like a kundalini yoga studio and it's you know it's a high vibration it's a frequency you know the frequency of love hopefully and that's what you're feeling even though intellectually you're like "Eh, i don't know this is weird like you know we're doing this weird breathing thing oh man straight away i knew i was in the right place yeah it was the same with me when i did my first yoga class um when i was suffering from depression and i dragged my ass there and I became obsessed with it. But, um, yeah, that community, it's really about feeling. And and my whole framework, which I'm pretty much giving away my whole business model and vision, is uh, we need to use core evolutionary drivers. So things that have always driven evolution to mend our trauma. And we can mend our own trauma with these practices, such as breath work, music, movement so dance is really powerful um 
substances and when i say substances like medicines food is medicine plant medicines water is medicine uh, and then we look at embodiment so how do we actually carry ourselves? how do we carry our body how do we look after our body um, and sacred sexuality is so important being connected to your sex sex is the primordial force kundalini yoga kundalini sex chi whatever you want to call it is the force that is moving the entire universe and the masculine feminine polarity is a law of the universe we have feminine energy masculine energy whole another conversation for another day but i see you know many many people that are struggling for identity they're feeling trapped they're you know creating all these different labels for themselves when really it's because they don't have a harmony between masculine and feminine mm. So, you know, we see complete switches in those things. We see, you know, gender changes and I'm, you know, completely accepting to every soul's journey. But nature is masculine and feminine. And mm. this is what we really need to come back to is mm. those evolutionary drivers, rites of passage. Mm. It's all in our DNA. Yeah, that's what I love about the Latin languages is that mm. they, they acknowledge and they honor the masculine and feminine in everything. Everything. The Eros, you know, yeah. my beautiful best friend um, slash partner, ex-partner. She runs workshops for women, really connecting them to their Eros. Because, you know, we've been talking about the masculine a lot and the disconnection between the masculine mm. and, and his sexual energy. But it's the same for the feminine mm -hmm. because uh, women have been so suppressed their whole life. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't express your sexuality, you don't dance, you don't sing, you don't speak, you don't wear things that are sexy or if you do you're judged and in the witch hunts they were burned at the stake because they were practicing you know this type of medicine mm. but now these women that are tapping into their you know feminine eros it's so healing and mm. i can attest to that like just being in the presence of a beautiful embodied woman is so healing mm. yeah yeah absolutely it's i think at times when you're on your journey and you're just kind of beginning and you're not 100% secure within yourself, mm -hmm. It's it can be intimidating. For sure. To come across both men and women that are embody their energy mm. so much. And there's a part of you that goes, God, I want to feel like that someday. Mm. Oh. Well, um, Vince Matoska, who's, who's one of the guides with Sacred Sons, had a, this is part of the reason why I, I, I went and did the Sacred Sons was I saw this video of him and he was talking to the men and he was saying like, and excuse my French, but this is directly quoting him. <laughs> um, you want to be the fucking guy walking down the street or walking into a cafe and you don't even have to say anything and people are going, who the fuck is that guy? I want what that guy has. That's the energy that the Sacred Masculine is. And you don't have to be a big he-man to be doing that. that. You just let your energy do the talking. No. I can tell you that at 76 and a half kilos, <laughs> plus a couple more since I've been eating the donuts from the Queen Victoria <laughs> Market recently, um, I've been there. I've felt that. I've mm. had that happen to me. I've yeah. had people physically walk up to me and verbally say, mm -hmm. who the fuck are you? Yeah. And I, I loved it and I felt it. And then I've been on the other end of that spectrum as yeah. well 
I know the spectrum really well. Yeah. Well, you asked me before about the Sacred Sons, a part of the work we do with the men's work. So I run my own men's stuff in, in WA, um, is around this feeling, the difference between power and powerlessness. Mm. Because you ultimately, as a man, have no control over it. But we're constantly trying to create and control and have power. But so the ritual combat, a lot of these practices is, and a rite of passage is breaking you down so that you feel powerlessness and you realize that in that moment there's nothing you can do except surrender. And it's being okay that you don't have to have control. You know, I, I, I just love that so much because I've started to sort of teeter on the edge of that recently. Well, that's your edge, finding your edge and then testing it. Yeah, and, and I've, I've started to feel and think, oh, okay, yeah, this is what, this is what it feels like to not be in control. Mm. God, I hate it. Yeah. I, I, I Bro, despise Bro, every it. man, me included, we want to be in control. But yet, I feel like that. You know what the feminine hates? No idea. Control. <laughs> yeah. As a father of a teenage daughter, I can... <laughs> I can totally exactly. relate. It's to like that, yeah. our natural instinct is to try and control the situation and to try and logically, intellectually mm. use our brain to figure it out and control it. Mm. When all she wants to do is be free and wild and love it, yeah. ungrounded love and that. do crazy shit. Oh, yeah. Chaos. Mm. We're the order and they're the chaos. Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's a fascinating journey that we're on. And uh, look, I, I love sitting here and listening to your story and your perspectives and the journey of growth that you're on at the moment as well, the things that you're learning, the things that you want to share with others. It's really, yeah, it's really, it's, it's beautiful to come from where you've come from and to be where you are now and to have made those decisions and be conscious, you know, conscious uh about what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, about the, the... And, bro, I just want to put it out there. I still have days where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, you know, I still have days where I'm like, is this really... Am I really doing the right thing? Like, I actually have no idea. But then I come back into my heart and I breathe and I get still and it's like, no, this is, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. And I love Peter Crone. Have you ever come across Peter Crone? His name's Cut. The Mindset Architect, I think he calls himself. Um, he has this phrase, which is, um, everything happened the way that it happened, and it couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. And I just love that. It's like, right here, right now, and the shaman of Machu Picchu, um, who we work with over there in Peru, has this thing, and he's like, all that matters is right here, right now. Right here. Right now. Not... Tomorrow, not over there. Mm. Right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I wish I could get to that place, you know? Yeah. wish I could get to that. Yeah, like Leonardo from, from last week's episode says the same thing. But like I was talking about common ground before, it's just that you're starting to hear the same message, same message. from so many different angles. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm doing here. Mm. And that's what I love about this whole experience. So thank you. You're telling a story, but you're telling it on a, on a grander scale. It's like a, 
cosmology. Yeah, they're all uh, like I, th- I feel like all of my guests so far have been narrators in the same story, and mm. they have no idea. Yeah, uh, in in a way, um, but I just uh, I think it's interesting it the Peruvian connection too. You know, because yeah. Hamima spent a lot of time there. You had Leonardo. I've just there. come back from Peru. Yeah. Maybe it's your time, which is a saying it's in coming. Peru. Now is your time. It's coming, that's for sure. September d- this year. I'm going to be... See you there. Yeah, could be. I don't see why not. Drink the cactus, change your life. I'll need to go with someone I trust, and if you're going to be there, then... I actually, funnily enough, reached out to Hamima last week to ask her if she wanted to come and support with me, but she's got such a big tour yeah. planned in Europe. There was a gap, and she's like, I just... As much as I'd love to, I just don't think I'm going to fly from Europe to Peru and then yeah. back to Europe. But it's going to be incredible either way. Mm. It's actually at the same venue she runs her retreats mm, at. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, this could be... Well, this is a great segue into one last kind of piece of advice that you've got for people back home. You know, obviously, remembering that... Um, there's a first Remembering. step. I just to love the word. Yeah, it's such a good word. And surrender too. Yeah. What a great word. Um, remembering that it, there's, there's a first step to every journey, and uh-huh. you know what would that first step be? And then secondly, you know where can people find you? Well, they can't see me, but they'll see our uh, pictures. Um, I've got a poncho from Peru with two wolves on it. So the piece of advice, um, the first thing would be, don't be a lone wolf. Because the, the way of the lone wolf is over. Doing things on your own, not asking for help, trying to figure things out, not finding community. You really have to find your wolf pack. And, you know, one of the the blessings or the sacred stories from the Native Americans and also, you know, from what I learned in Peru is we are all part of this wolf pack. So if you're hearing this message, if you're feeling the message, we're the ones that we've been waiting for. We're the ones that we need to come together. We need to have these conversations, finding community. You know, the amount of people, and I'm, I'm going to be a little bit self-gratifying here, but the amount of people that I've had come through our retreats that are now running their own breathworks, meditations, retreats, which would previously have made me a little bit jealous, envious, greedy, because I was like, hold on a minute, now there's more people doing what I'm doing. But it's actually such a beautiful thing because it's more community, it's more spaces for people to come to. So don't be a lone wolf, find your wolf pack, whatever that looks like for you. And in terms of finding me, um, obviously Louis will share my social media links Um, Peru in September will be taking a selective group of people to the Andes Mountains. You know, you'll be 3,000 plus metres above sea level, staying in a beautiful accommodation, um, waterfalls all around us, mountains. You'll be trekking on the Inca Trail, um, drinking plant medicine, working with, you know, some of the, I would say, most influential wisdom keepers on the planet um having you know direct access to them that's in september uh i'll have another group in bali in june that'll be really focused on breath work um having breakthroughs transforming healing uh and we're planning to have still in the pipeline but for all the men out there 
Uh, the Sacred Sons, which I mentioned, are uh, planning to come to Australia in November and we're planning a tour. So probably Melbourne, Gold Coast, maybe Western Australia. Uh, and yeah, for all the brothers listening, for all the men listening, um, I do have a private men's group that anyone can join. You can join the Zoom calls, you can learn, you can connect with other men, you can get support. Uh, everything you'll find through my Instagram um, and if you can't, just send me a message um, on Instagram. Just a quick one. What is the Instagram? Is it? Sean, S-H-A-U-N-K-A-Y-1. Sean K-1. And interestingly, I you know, learned in Peru, K, which is my surname, is the middle world. It's the world of the Puma um, and it's the world where we currently exist. So K Pacha is that world. The underworld, Urkapacha, is the world of snake. And Hanan Pacha, which is up in the sky, is the world of condor. Mm. So it's a beautiful sort of symbol for me to know K Pacha. I really feel like I am connected to the world below and the world above. And I'm just here to be a bridge mm. for other people. Mm. Yeah, I think I remember seeing pictures of you finding a K cafe. At mm. some point. K Cafe. It's everywhere mm. over there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean, it's been amazing to speak with you. Finally get to meet you after a few months of, of back and forth. And thank you so much for reaching out to me and wanting to be part of the podcast. It's it, it made me feel really chuffed that you know, for, for once I've got someone reaching out to me that wants to be part <laughs> nah, of this lo- storytelling experience. So yeah. And I think uh, you know, we we covered some broad experiences yeah for sure i think uh yeah if we were to do something in the future maybe hone in on a topic and go deep go go deep into men's work or deep into the medicine world yeah yeah absolutely would love to chat with you again of course and yeah we could go deeper on so many different levels i think now it, it was uh it was nice to sort of keep it a little broad as well and get to know a little bit about your background and your upbringing because i think for a lot of people as well they don't know how someone goes from A to Z. Yeah. Well, if anything, I said it in the beginning, you hear my story, there's, there's, it's not linear. You know, it, you jump around, you bounce around, but it's always coming back to center of the, for me, it's just the heart. You got to come back to the heart. Yeah. Um, for people, some people that, that don't, you don't even know what that means. So it's like, you know, right now, if you're listening, just put a hand on your heart and breathe and feel that you have a heartbeat. That's, you know, the beginning of it. Beautifully said. Sean, thank you so You're much welcome. for being here. For joining me on the Yarra today. I hope um, for everyone at home, it wasn't too noisy. That has been a great listening experience. And you got a lot out of this. And thank you so much. And please, people, reach out like anything. I have people reach out all the time. Message me. Tell me it resonated. Tell me, you know, what's happening in your life. If you need somebody to speak to message me great and on that note thank you thank you so much Adi I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Louis Diaz podcast to find out more about any of our guests and catch additional photos and content from this episode find us on Instagram at Louis Diaz podcast